Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your work. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. This is awesome. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back for yet another episode. I know they've been a little spotty and a little sporadic lately, but... You know what? That's the complexity of <laughs> juggling a lot of projects. Um, if you're a first-time listener, you know what? Welcome. You guys are going to get a lot out of this, especially this one today. And I'm here to share with you the strategic and the tactical HR knowledge so that you can master the what and the how in this field. Because let's face it, we're in the human business, and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. When you get a moment, if you guys could do us a favor, I know that, like I said, we've been kind of unplugged a little bit, Working to get replugged back in again. But if you could take a second and leave us a five star review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And you know what that does? That actually helps other really amazing people like you who are listening actually find the show. It helps boost that ranking up there. There's a lot of really great information that comes out of this. Um, and the, and the more that we can help people find this information, the less confused they will be as it pertains to all this funkiness that's going out in the world. So I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I'd like to take a second and actually share with you a five-star review that we recently got. It says, great HR podcast. Brenda knows HR and is a real benefit to be able to hear her thoughts on about various topics on the on the podcast. What I enjoy about Brenda compared to some of our other HR podcasters is that she comes across as exceptionally caring and deliberate in her information. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. I feel like I'm in her office listening to her talk about me, or excuse me, listen to her talk to me about the topic of the day in that you get whatever she's thinking about the moment. So it's not so scripted. Definitely add this to your list of must listen HR podcasts. Oh, that is so cool. Thank you so much. And that came from G Money. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what is going on today? Well, first off, <clears throat> you know, just listen, we've got loads of stuff coming to you on the HR resource site. It's an awesome place to get current HR news and information because here's the thing you've got to be able to keep up with what's going on. And if you, if you step away for a little while or a long while from knowing what's happening and all the changes, you're going to drown in this field, especially with all of the stuff that's rapidly changing. Oh my gosh. Over the last, what, almost two years now. Can you believe that? It's been crazy. So the HR resource site you can find over at brendathehrlady.com. It gives you access to current HR news. And there's six major categories, COVID updates, employment law, legal updates, litigation, collective bargaining, unionization, 
Affirmative action EEO when reporting an OFCCP update, especially for government contractors, as well as information on disability. You can get real-time comprehensive updates for individual states. There's over 100 streaming articles from nearly 70 resources across the U.S. and one in Canada. We've got downloadable tools and we've got <clears throat> videos that we're throwing up every now and again. And I apologize for having to clear my throat here so much. But anyway, listen, it's affordable. It's there for you guys. Um, it's awesome stuff. <clears throat> Those of you who are in this network, you are my VIPs, which means that anytime anything comes out, you are the first to know. <laughs> so every now and again, you know, we do try a couple of, you know, like temporary programs to see what people are interested in. But most importantly, it's all about getting the information. And then once you get the information, you know, we're going to make sure that you guys are the first in the know of anything new or any releases that I've got on anything that's coming out. So heads up on that. Now, a while back, we had my buddy Will Branham on, <clears throat> who I absolutely adore. He's awesome. And he shares with us the benefits of having broad, uh, using actually broad spectrum CBD, which means that there is no THC in it. And I use it all the time. And if you haven't heard Will's interview, it's podcast episode number 78. Definitely try the product. If you have inflammation in your system, if you're having trouble sleeping, that's been something, a big thing of mine is that I actually start plugging in. Um, I take my first CBD gummy at five o'clock in the afternoon, and then I take another one before I go to sleep. And I get a solid, uninterrupted rest all night long. Um, so that helps out a lot. And if you and if you haven't tried it, and you want to try it, you can get 20% off in your first order at n recovery excuse me, nw-recovery.com. And you can use the code NAKEDHR. That's right, you heard it, NAKEDHR. And getting naked is actually, there's a formula to it. It's not about stripping your clothes off and running around wielding what God gave you <laughs> the day you walked into this planet. That's not what we're referring to. Um, the getting naked is actually putting yourself, it's Will's theory on getting vulnerable. And in getting vulnerable and working with yourself on your own individual improvement, improvement and everything that you do, um, taking care of yourself. So it's a pretty, he's, he's got a really awesome program. Definitely, definitely take a look at that. And then also, you know, we've been sharing with you about our friends over at Forest Capital Management, which is an independent financial advisory firm that helps small and medium sized businesses really optimize their retirement plans. And and look, your company's retirement plan is vital to your employee's success in everything that they do once they retire, okay? So their company actually helps plan sponsors like you ensure that your 401k, your 403b, or your pension is actually designed and properly operated in a way that maximizes the success for your employees. That's absolutely key and critical, okay? Now, if you wanna learn more about them, please go ahead and reach out. Um, you can go ahead and consult an advisor on how you actually want to, you know, improve your retirement plan. Go ahead and visit Forest Capital at www.forestcapitalmanagement.com. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL, 
I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. So we want to welcome everybody this morning. Today we are going to be talking about providing some answers to vaccination questions that we get when we teach vaccination courses that we are hired to teach. So we both get contracted to speak and educate with different companies on uh, multiple you know, topics as it pertains to human resources. Most recently, the one that I've been repeating a lot lately is the vaccination one. So we want to make sure that, you know, we share some updated information and, and what we're running into, because it's very likely that you guys are running into the same thing. And wouldn't luck have it, but the moment that I need to probably sign for a package with the postal service, I will not be able to do so. And that's okay. <laughs> that's how life works, I right? I know, it's funny, right? All right. So, um, you know, we certainly invite you guys to go ahead, raise your hands, come on up. Um, we're, we're recording this just so, you know, it's, we're not capturing you folks. We are only capturing us. And, uh, this is actually, if you wanted to catch this on a repeat, um, you can actually find it on the real HR show YouTube channel. And this week I'm actually going to include this as an episode in my podcast called best practices in human resources. So, with that being said, let's have at it. All right. First question. Let's have at it. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, good. I am excited. This is going to be good. All right. First question. Um, this actually came out, <clears throat> uh, you know, we talked about uh, the, the two exemptions that, you know, per our legal infrastructure, you have to provide carve-outs for, which are uh, exemptions under ADA and exemptions under uh, religion. Okay, for, uh, for Title VII Civil Rights Act. So this question uh, stated, I see you did not say medical exclusion. Does this need to be more uh, defined? Should we require accompanying medical waivers with the ADA forms? So well, there is no such thing as a medical exclusion. There is only <clears throat> if a physician is coming out and stating that the person has a disability or this is something that they should, they should not take the vaccination because it would impact them physically, then it actually would be covered likely under the American with Disabilities Act. Right. And so there isn't like a special thing you need to do. You hand them the ADA paperwork and this is the magic of, of the um, medical exemption is that you don't make the decision whether their medical case is valid or not. Their doctor makes that decision. And so the doctor either fills it out 
and says, yeah, this person can't have the vaccine or he doesn't. And you don't have to sit and say, well, you know, you're saying it's because you have allergies, but are these too bad? Blah, blah. That's not your decision. Um, now, of course, you go through the interactive process with them afterwards to come up with a reasonable solution, but, um, but you, you send them to their doctor to fill it out. Yep. And what happens more often than not that, and I apologize for the barking dog. He has always has something to say about this stuff. But um, what happens more than not is that employers and employee will say that, like, I, you know, I can't do it for medical reasons. And all of a sudden what happens is that people who don't understand how American with Disabilities works, they all of a sudden do this. They like totally freeze up and, and they just kind of like, I, yeah, you know, they just don't do anything because they don't want to violate laws or they don't want to, you know, get themselves into trouble. And and, and the honest piece of it is, is that just because somebody plays that medical card, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have no room to execute some form of discipline. You can't, you know, uphold to your policies. That's not it. It's just when you, when you get that freeze, that's the time to ask questions. Right, right. And the, just remember, it, it's, it's just like if someone says, my back hurts, so I need a standing desk. You don't evaluate how much their back hurts. You say, oh, I'm sorry, here's the paperwork. Um, go see your doctor. Although to be fair, if someone says my back hurts, can I have a standing desk? I would say yes, because a standing desk is a really cheap accommodation. But legally, you don't have to do that unless their doctor signs off on it. it, it for some reason, the vaccine sends people into a panic. It doesn't need to. Um, you just treat it like you would a, a sore back or a sprained ankle or, or I have a heart condition and I need a closed parking space. Thank you for telling me. Here's the paperwork. When you bring it back, we'll go through the interactive process and we'll find a solution. And what you'll find is a lot of the medical um, excuses will fall away mm -hmm. when this happens yeah. because people declare themselves medically unable um, but they haven't actually spoken with their doctor. And I advocate for everyone to speak with their doctor if they have any concerns. I have a kid with a bunch of health problems. And so before she got her vaccine, I called her doctor and said, what do you think? Um, you know, because that's what you do. I didn't call HR, which would have been me, but I didn't call myself and say, what do you think? You didn't call and yourself? I didn't, I didn't call myself. I did call myself. Um, <laughs> but I didn't go on Twitter and say, what do you guys think? Here are her symptoms. Should she get it? I went to her doctor who's done all the blood tests and, yeah. and all of that. That's what you need mm -hmm. to tell your employees to do. Here's the paperwork. Go see your doctor. Um, when you have it done, then come back to me. Yep. It's a viable, most of it will follow away. It's a viable medical resolution. So, and by the way, when you do give somebody paperwork to go to their physician to do this, give them a two week time limit because you're going to find out real quick how fast this is actually real. And when it's not, when there's an expiration date to, and this, it works for you. This is very, very wise. Brenda is wise. She's good <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next question. <clears throat> 
And this is regarding disability. If an employee does not want to disclose the nature of the disability, just notify us that there is one. Does that trigger a protection or not? You want to you want to kick this one off? I mean, I would do the same thing with, okay, here's the paperwork. <laughs> Go to your doctor. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Hey, Brenda, I have a disability. And so I need to take a two-hour lunch. I mean, like, I need a standing desk and I can't be vaccinated. But I'm not going to tell you what my disability is. Yeah, it doesn't okay. work. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work. work. So right. So because I've had I've had this. I've had somebody come in and it's like, well, I can't do this because I have a disability. And it's like, okay. So when somebody opens that door, you can step through it and ask the question. So can you help me understand the nature of your disability? That's the best question that you could possibly ask. What is the nature of your disability? Only if they step through that door or if they open the door. Right. I can um, see, I can see your, <laughs> well, there is something, if you notice something, you can approach someone, you just want to do it carefully. Right. I mean, it's not like you have to wait for the person in the wheelchair to come and ask you for an accommodation of, you know, elevator privileges or something, you know, right. you, but that's, that's but, a, it's slightly different than the question though. But yeah, if someone's not willing to disclose, you're not going to go up to someone and say anything like that. But if they come to you, no, I can't give you an accommodation if I don't know what it is. Right. Because the ADA paperwork isn't just, yes, this person has a disability or no, they don't. It also will have the doctor say, here's the restrictions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this person cannot sit for more than 45 minutes at a time. Right. Or this person can only carry 25 pounds right. or this person can only walk 50 meters at a time. Therefore, they need a close parking spot or whatever that is. The doctor fills it out and then you go through the interactive process. You don't have the interactive process before. Right. So I'm going to take a step back and into the question itself again, because I, I, a lot of these things I've run into personally in, in my career. So if somebody comes up and says, listen, I have a disability and I can't do X. And you ask the question, what's the nature of the disability? They don't really have to tell you exactly what's wrong with them. They can say something along the lines like, well, you know, this in, in, in this case um, is that I have a longstanding uh, diagnosis of cancer, for instance, they can say that. And, but they don't have to tell you where it is or what their, you know, cancerous history is. All they have to say is that, yeah, this could negatively impact my treatment of cancer, which is actually a disability as recognized under the ADA. You're like, okay, great. Tell you what, here's what we need to do. <clears throat> we'll need to learn a little bit more about this. We don't need to know your specific specifically. You like how I did that. And uh, please do me a favor, take this documentation to your physician. We'll give you two weeks, have your physician complete it for us, bring it back. And then we'll review it together. And that way we can sit down and get a better understanding of what your needs are. And when you, when you approach it that way, employees tend to be very responsive to that because you're still acknowledging there's a level of privacy and dignity there for something that could be, you know, who would want to tell you that they, you know, that they have breast cancer or ovarian cancer or testicular cancer or prostate. I mean, that's, that can be very personal. And they go through this whole process of, literally having their physical body exposed to so many people that it's nice to know that their employer hasn't been down that road with them. 
Right, right. And it also is gives something to a, a an employee that most often they haven't gone through this before. They don't know what to expect. They don't even right. know what their own limitations may be. Um, you know, okay, I, you know, if I had a longstanding cancer diagnosis, then they've probably been through it. But if I was just diagnosed from with cancer yesterday, they don't know what they're going to need. Um, but their doctor has already dealt with a hundred people or more that have had the same situation and are in jobs of similar, you know, demanding physically or mentally or whatever, and can give them the ideas and can say, this is what the limitations are going to be so that we can make this plan. Right. Um, and, you know, as, as far as we're talking, you know, directly with vaccines. So someone says, I have a disability. I can't get vaccinated. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Um, but I'm going to need you to have your physician document for me. Um, and be compassionate, be nice. Um, but, but the medical diagnoses, and what the limitations are need to be on the head of the physician yep. and not on the head of HR. Um, or the employee. The employee can't, yeah. they can't, employee really isn't the one lawfully that actually makes the accommodation or determines the accommodation. It's the physician. Yes, it's the physician. And yeah. so, um, you know, there's, there's often many, many ways to, to reach uh, a, a, an accommodation based on the physician guidelines. Uh, but it's the physician that makes that. And then we go through that interactive process to try to find the best thing that will work for both you and the our employee, for both the business and the employee. All right. So you ready for another good question? This is a little bit of a long-winded one. Okay. You ready? All right. This one, this one person sent this to me. It says, I have a question on the disabilities and accommodation process. <clears throat> an employee is requesting to work from home because she was part of an organ transplant and needs to stay home or care for the patient as well as herself. And she is considered immune compromised along with the patient. Her position requires her to be in the office for full-time 40 hours, uh, 40 hour position. And she's only working an average of 32 hours of pay period. She's been working remotely since 2020. <clears throat> this person who asked the question said she came into the business in 21 uh, to clarify, she is not wanting to come into the office due to the concern over COVID and doesn't want to put herself or the other transplant patient at risk. All right. So there was, when I answered this, there was a little bit of some confusion when she said it was part of the transplant. Um, it wasn't clear if she was the donor or not that never really came forward. So how I addressed it was, is that if she is one, if she was the donor <clears throat> and the donor is actually helping to take care of the person who received her organ, um, then yeah, more than likely they can probably get some form of exemption, but again, it has to be, uh, or protection. It has to be, you know, done all through the physician, but before I actually, you know, I read it initially very quickly because these things tend to go really fast. It wasn't clear to me that she actually was, in fact, the donor. It was an assumption. And I had to answer the question in two ways. Then I came back and said, if this person isn't the donor and being a part of the transplant means that this individual was caring for somebody else and that somebody else wasn't a direct family member, either a spouse, child, a parent, you know, anything that would qualify on our FMLA, 
there were no protections for that person. So I said, if that's the case, then focus in on what the, the aspect of a compromised immunity system, that's the only thing that the HR person would be able to really work with. Not, and, and if it wasn't the donor and, and it was, if it was just like a, you know, this person coming in and taking care of the best friend, none of there's, there's no protection for that. Right. Right. And if, if they're, if they are a family member uh, and they qualify for FMLA and they're doing that, taking care of, then that qualifies, but yes, just being a friend to someone doesn't, that doesn't mean that the company can't show compassion and can't work with them, but it's the question of legal protection. Um, And I wasn't quite clear. They have to be in the office, but they have been working for home or because if they have been working from home, yanking that back now when they have a, a reason seems unnecessarily cruel, even if it was, even if it were legal to do so. Um, and this is something that that many companies get this bee in their bonnet of, we're all coming back to the office and that means you have to come back no matter what. Um, and legally, if there's no... ADA reason for them to stay home. Yeah, you can do that. But there's this thing going on called a labor shortage. And it's combined with also known as the great resignation. And (laughs) we love our titles. Those two things together mean that you probably want to be a little bit more flexible with employees and accommodations right now um, because you're a good person, not because you won't be able to replace them. Right. And you know, (laughs) you won't be able to. Yeah. And in all fairness, you know, there is a level, you know, companies are trying to get things back to quote unquote, you know, back to the norm, right? They're trying, you know, because there is a cost to having your employees away from one another. Teams don't, you know, they're not as bonded. They don't work. So that's understandable. In both, in all aspects around here, this is a 360 degree. You can pretty much understand everybody's positioning here. Um, It's just a matter of really just kind of working through and finding out what is the absolute best solution to where you're meeting all of the company objectives or all the objectives or as many as you possibly can. And, um, you know, this is just one of those things where it's just taking people through the steps. You just have to, you just have to play it by the numbers. Um, you do, you do. And and, and it's important to always go through that step because if somebody comes in and gives you that question and nothing was clear on that question, that question was not a clear question. And so you answer it without getting clarification, it could be the wrong answer. And the person goes away thinking that they were clear because they know what's going on. Um, Because they're like, I'm the one that's donating my kidney. But you read that as I've taken care of a friend. And you're like, there's no protection for you. Yes, if you have been sawed open and your kidney removed, that actually qualifies for FMLA. so yay, but it's always important to speak and to get clarity around what they're asking. And people aren't good at clarity right. in medical things. Um, and in general. <laughs> and in, let's, let's, just, let's just knock that argument right out right now. In general, people suck in at communicating. In general, yes. Let's just general, call it what it is. Suck at communicating. <laughs> 
Yes, but especially around medical things and especially around <laughs> new medical things. Right. Like, you know, you can discuss your, I can discuss my chronic knee pain with no problem because I've been having it for like 10 years. Um, I can tell you when it flares up and, you know, what I need, blah, 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 which the answer is what I need is ibuprofen. But anyway, it's not a big deal. But I can talk about that because it's new and I, I mean, it's, it's old, but right. something new happens man, people are, they're a mess because it's emotional too. It is it's emotional. It is. Okay. So moving on, we got a couple of really nice good question. juicy questions here. All right. So we have been mandated to require the vaccine. How should we be filing the proof of vaccination? Well, you know what you're going to want to, th this should actually be part of your process and defining your policies. Um, and, and we're, I'm, I'm going to keep this one short um, so that we can finish covering all the other ones. There, I'm actually in the process of working with a company right now. Um, I'm going to be meeting with them. If you would like to, you know, link up with me or just watch my, watch, not my Facebook page, but watch my webpage at brendathehrlady.com. It is very likely that I'm going to be doing some work with them. And this is an actual mobile solution that employers can access on the web. And it is specific to vaccination tracking. So if you, if you just keep an eye out or join my list at friendofthehrlady.com, I will be sending out some more information because I've actually been shopping for this for one of my clients. Um, <clears throat> and then that way, you know, documentation can be fed in a cloud base directly from the employee that not only includes their vaccination information and it's all HIPAA protected, especially for companies that aren't set up for this stuff. Um, it also would include if somebody were being diagnosed or going to the physician with suspicion of COVID or active treatment of COVID, then the employee uh, can actually upload that document, all the documentation directly to that particular cloud for that client. So stay tuned on that one. Yes, that sounds like an excellent thing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So next question, how will affected unemployment benefits how will, affect, no, I love it when people ask, they ask fast questions in a, in a slower moving environment. Okay, how will affect unemployment benefits if the employee declines the vaccination is then terminated, will they be eligible? Anybody is Anybody can apply for unemployment. Remember I said apply, didn't mean that they're gonna get. And, and anybody can appeal if right. they are denied. Right. But most states are saying no. I suspect that there are some states that will say yes. If I had to guess, I would say Montana mm -hmm. um, because they were pretty vocal about not allowing mandatory vaccinations, but then the federal government came in. So I would expect in Montana, you might be able to get unemployment. Other states that I guess would be Texas and Florida, um, but if you're in Oregon or New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and um, with the apply, right? Apply. Yeah. Always, always, always apply. I mean, even if you get fired for like stealing, this is HR people hate it when I say this, but go ahead and apply. <laughs> you know, yeah. the worst thing that will happen is that they'll say no. And if I'm the HR person, you're going to have to do something really bad for me to say no, because I just want you to go away and giving you unemployment makes you go away. <laughs> it does. And not to mention, and here's, and, and here's something else too, right? For So, so we're about helping the companies in, in these, in these episodes, but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, if you have an employee that you suspect could possibly, you know, 
you know, make problems for your company, whether they have a position or not. I mean, they may think they do. And in your documentation, your, you know, all your practices, you know, pretty much line up that they don't, you know, that's still a lot of money for somebody to, to, to file a complaint against your organization and a lot of your time. So, you know what, don't, unless there's something super egregious, you know, like they assaulted an employee, they threatened an employee, they threatened a member. Yeah. Or, or stole a significant, you know, amount of money or assets from your company. You know what, let them have it because they feel like they've won something and they, like Suzanne said, will go away. So more than likely they will, because that's, it goes back to the Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. They're at level two, and that is making sure that they have money coming in so that they can put food on the table and feel safe and secure. And that is something that's really important. And as Brenda said, this isn't just the pro-employee view, it's a pro-business view because it does make things easier for your business. So companies that like search for ways to stop unemployment, like trying to forge resignations, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys. It's not that expensive. And if you're terming a lot of people, then maybe you need to check on either your hiring practices or your management practices because you're the problem. Um, But absolutely, if you get terminated for um, refusing the vaccine, go ahead and apply for unemployment. Um, You probably won't get it, but it doesn't take that much time to apply and you can always appeal if you are denied. Um, so you do get two bites of the apple. Yeah. I mean, basically the employer would say, nope, they broke policy. So, all right. Okay. If I interviewed employees resistant to the vaccination earlier in the pandemic, and they specifically told me they did not have a religious or medical reason, then they later claim one. Am I Am I as the employee justified in saying, or I think it's employer, am I as the employer justified in saying that it is not a bona fide exception? So I would. Well, <laughs> but I would also thing. call in my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. As first off, yeah, definitely set up a legal strategy on this one. But here's the thing: if somebody comes in, look, you know what? People find faith in in difficult times, they find faith in in good positive times. Just because somebody came in and interviewed with the company didn't have a um a reason a, a sincere religious belief. That is a legal defined term. Sincere religious belief when they first started with the organization doesn't mean they didn't find a faith between the time that they started early in the pandemic. Because let's face it, there are people that have been trying to find solace throughout this whole thing. Could they have found faith? Yes, absolutely. They could have. And then later on, come back and say, you know, listen, now I have a sincere religious belief. If they have a sincere religious belief, those protections carve out. Now, I'm not going to tell you which religious beliefs those are, because that's really a conversation between you and your attorney, your employment attorney. And don't go to general counsel on this. Go to an employment attorney. Yes, very, very, very important. Go to your employment attorney. But you're right to be skeptical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, this is something that I always say um, 
I, I do a lot of work with schools and rules around that. And this is something that comes up when it's when it's a particular teacher's turn to chaperone the prom, and suddenly they are a devout member of whatever religion prevents them from working on Friday night or Saturday night. Um, and you're like, no, you've never been a practicing Jew before. You've never been home before sundown before. And they're like, yeah, but I can't do it because it's prom chaperoning. No, no, that's not how that works. So, um, you know, that usually falls apart pretty quickly, but um, nice try. But before you take any adverse action against someone that's claiming a religious exemption, even if you think they are lying through their teeth, please consult with your employment attorney just to get your I's dotted and your T's crossed because a $250 consultation with the employment attorney could save you a hundred thousand dollars in a lawsuit. Um, Yep. Yep. Exactly. And religious exemption is nothing to mess with in the courts. Just ask Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes. And, and New York um, a New York judge just struck down a mandatory vaccine policy yesterday or yeah. two days ago uh, because it didn't contain a religious exemption. Yes. Um, so that was that was this week. Um, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and New York isn't, you know, exactly the hotbed of, of evangelical Christendom or whatever. It's New York. Um, and I used to live in New York, so I can say that, uh, but they went ahead and, and struck it down because it lacked that religious exemption. You're going to lose everywhere. If you don't have a religious exemption, every yep. state yep. that's federal law. Yep. It's so woven into our case. Like you, you can't, there's no, there's no, no, no way to get around it. It's too deep. No. And they and don't we- need like a letter from their, from their priest or something. It's their personal belief. So they don't have to bring like, here is my book of scripture that says, you know, thus verily saith the Lord, no vaccines. It's, it's their, it's their personal, um, personal belief that matters, which is why it can be so sticky, you know? Yeah. Because how, how am I supposed to tell what you know what brenda's sincere religious belief is and what my sincere religious belief is i mean how how do do you tell um so some things are some things are easier than others to tell because there are some things that you know churches do come out and say vocally but (laughs) vaccines all your major religions in the u.s have have been um, pro vaccine. That doesn't mean that minor churches have not been. Right. But um, but the big the big ones have all been like, go get vaccinated. Yeah. <clears throat> there are a couple exceptions, and then I I have to tell you this. I didn't copy the question down, but I thought it was hilarious. It was on a, another window, and I just didn't grab it. Um, <clears throat> so first off, religious organizations such as Jehovah's Witness, Christian Scientists, Amish. Mennonites, they actually have very specific guidelines around medical treatment. So for instance, and I know this on the Jehovah's Witness side specifically because my aunt and uncle are Jehovah's Witnesses uh, out in Hawaii, and they do not permit blood transfusions. Once the religion has been actually disclosed, um, then transfusions are not permitted. Um, That is a religious practice. 
And so, right. yeah. So, I mean, that's if somebody gets into a car wreck and part of the emergency treatment is that they are getting a transfusion because they lost two quarts um, or two pints and uh, or quarts or whatever. How many we have? Like, was it six pints or six quarts? Anyway, we they lost two. Whatever they did. <laughs> they lost a lot. Is. Right. They <laughs> lost two. Right. So they're, I don't know, Mike, like I'm losing it today. Um, so uh, they get as part of the medical treatment in the emergency room with no knowledge of what this person believes or doesn't believe. And it's a, it's, you know, a, it's a, it's a, it's a sincere effort to save the person. As soon as the family comes in and says, you need to stop all transfusions because they are Jehovah's Witness and we don't permit it. The, the hospital has to respect that unless the hospital is willing to go to court because that person's life is like, on the on the ledge, right? So it, it'll get really complicated. But that's neither here nor there. The comment that actually came out was hilarious. One person wrote in and says, "Well, my employee says that they have a religious belief against this. <laughs> they religiously believe against this." And I said, "Yeah, that's not going to cut it." <laughs> so, <laughs> I like I just loved no. the spin on it, but that's not how it works. Okay, here Good we go. <laughs> I thought it was that was very creative. They said, no, I really, they religiously believe against this. I'm like, yeah, that's not the same thing. All right. <laughs> uh, so the next question came in. When do you think the executive order will be issued? Well, the order has been issued. Um, the next step is actually waiting for the actual, for the Department of Labor to actually come up with steps forward. Now, the next place, the next part of that question was, where's the best place to get updated information on the mandates and how it affects a company of hundred employees or more? That's gonna come out on the Department of Labor. However, Arizona has been, I believe the first state uh, to the come first out state. to actually file a lawsuit against the federal government on, on this executive order. Now an executive order carries the weight of the law, but it is not in fact a law, which means that a, a judge at the federal level can stymie it and it can actually proceed quicker into the Supreme Court as a result of that. So, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, buckle up. It's going to get interesting. I, I honestly don't, I think we believe we're in consensus on this. This is not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but it will happen for the um, for the federal employees and for federal contractors, because that's different than private businesses. And the president has much more authority over those people than he does over your private business that doesn't have dealings with the federal government. So while we're saying, and I don't think this is going to come up, the latest that I've heard is for federal contractors, they're looking at a date in November for this to go into effect, um, which gives you adequate time to receive both shots. Um, but for, for the rest of us, that's not going to happen. And it's possible that the federal um, that the executive order will fail too because there weren't some exceptions put in there um, for the federal employees. There's no exception for remote workers, um, which it's really hard to argue that there is a safety concern if I'm sitting at home by myself. Yeah, it's too broad. And and right broad. now, right now, federal contractors specifically must get the vaccination if their employees are on federal property. However, right. it does not include employees that work from home. 
So it's, or even employees who are working OCONUS, which stands for outside of the continental United States. Um, there's a little, little contractor slang going on right there, but, um, <clears throat> but even, you know, even people who are working OCONUS, they're likely going to be on federal property. But so, and, and to be honest with you, I would even see that being challenged. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens. So we're going we're gonna to put a pin on that one right there because that's just to be determined. All right, next question. I thought this was hilarious. I, I answered this one very simply. What if the employee has the antibodies? Do they still need to be required to take the vaccination? You know what? There's two things that I'm not. I'm not an attorney and I'm not a physician. <laughs> so they would need to ask a physician on that because who knows, or excuse me, an employment attorney because we don't even know what's in the executive, like really fully to the extent of the executive order. And just because somebody has antibodies doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, but I will tell you, this has nothing to do with U.S. law, but I sit over here in Switzerland and they are counting um, a positive COVID test as an exemption for six months after your positive diagnosis. So that's interesting. Precedent in Europe, um, the EU, I think all of them are doing that. So if you're not vaccinated and you want to come to Europe, and you've had COVID, you come within the six-month time period because you can get an exemption during that six-month time period. Otherwise, we're not letting you in. Right. So it was quickly followed up by another question. Would an aorta, an aortic aneurysm be considered a reason to not take the vaccine? Again, I'm not a physician. I don't know the answer to that. So you need to, so if somebody asks those questions or if you got something, talk to the employee go through the interactive process, let the physician make the determination. And hopefully when the Department of Labor issues their guidelines through OSHA, it will say clearly one way or the other with that. But right now we don't, we don't have that. Yeah. All right. Next, uh, next question. And then we got one more after that. <clears throat> As a federal contractor, should our company establish our own requirements or do we wait for the government to disclose their requirements and use those? You know what? hold off until you know exactly what's going on. The only thing I would say against that is that if you have a high percentage of people who you know are not vaccinated um, and you're going to end up having to start do weekly testing if this goes into effect, I'd start working on my plan for tracking that now. Right. But this um, is for federal contractors, which there's for already, federal already a mandate out there. This is specific to federal contractors. Okay. For yes. federal contractors, that's already yeah. out there. Wait till right. you get the guidelines. That's what I'm saying. For everybody else, um, you, you if you've got a lot of employees, I mean, if you have three employees, it's not going to be a difficult thing to track. But let's say you're Walmart, who, of course, Walmart executives are listening to this definitely and following our advice as well they should be. Um, you know, they've got a million employees in the US um, or half of them are probably not vaccinated because half of the country isn't vaccinated. How are you gonna track 500,000 COVID tests a week? Work that out now, they need to start on it now. Um, and as I said, I don't think this will go into effect. I don't, yeah. but, um, but there are employment attorneys out there who say that it will. It's and, anyone's guess at this point. And for reasons that I don't understand, <laughs> I'm not a federal We're not judge. doctors, we're not I'm attorneys, not and we're judge. not judges. So this works out great. All right. 
<laughs> Last know. question. Dang it. If the employee <laughs> requests working remotely, can this be allowed without being penalized by the employer? Look, here's the thing. If you permit your employee to work from home, there's nothing out there that penalizes you as an employee, regardless of you require them to come in and work or whether they stay home. Right. But the problem with this executive order is that there is no exemption for remote workers. Right. That's going to fail for sure. That's me with my crystal ball. That's failing for sure. I have the same one, um, by the way. <laughs> we have the same crystal ball. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that I, I got into an argument with some employment lawyers the other day. Um, and even though they're employment lawyers, I still think I'm right. Um, they were arguing that that people who ask for a religious or medical exemption that you can just suspend them without pay for their accommodation and I was like I don't think that's going to fly in court I really don't because a jury is going to say well they worked just fine for the year before you know the 18 months before vaccines were mandatory now you're saying that they can't work like that you can't make an accommodation um I don't think that's going to fly. My employment friend, lawyer friends said they think that will, and that's what they're advising their clients. Take that for what you will. Yep. Um, I said, if I'm on a jury, I'm not buying it. They said, we'll be sure to exclude you from our jury pool. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> that is what we got for you guys today. 